This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, welcome back, Gary. Um, Well, let's talk about this week's economic news. And I guess a good place to start might be the meeting of the Federal Reserve, that the meeting that they will be holding. Tell us about this. Well, nice to be back, Paul. Yes, the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee will hold a two-day meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday to analyze current economic and financial market conditions to evaluate the economic forecasts they have and the risks for the economy and the financial system going forward. And then they'll, um, after, after that, they will make monetary policy decisions based on that data and information. We'll all know that when the decision is announced on Wednesday after the meeting concludes, and then Fed Chair Jay Powell will hold a press conference to explain what was discussed and decided at the meeting. Well, Gary, how often uh, does this committee meet, and who actually participates in these Fed meetings to decide on monetary policy? Is it just the Fed governors in Washington, D.C., or who's actually there? Well, Paul, the committee has eight regularly scheduled meetings each year, but they may also hold emergency meetings if you know, <laughs> something drastic going on with the economy. So um, the Open Market Committee includes the seven, normally there are seven uh, Federal Reserve governors in Washington, D.C., and then there are the 12 Federal Reserve Bank presidents from the reserve banks located um, around the country. That's the, That's how the committee is comprised. So, Gary, what are some of the policy decisions that they'll be discussing and debating at this meeting? Paul, in the, in the recent statement from the last meeting and Chair Powell's press conference after that July meeting and then the comments and speeches from governors and Federal Reserve Bank presidents, it seems clear to me that the first action the Fed will take is to reduce support for the recovery by reducing the monthly bond purchases. Currently, the Fed is buying $120 billion in bonds a month. Those bond purchases are designed to lower long-term market interest rates. And those, uh, as they reduce those purchases or tapering of the bond purchases, um, they're likely to do that over a period of, of several quarters. And that's you know, probably one of the important things they're discussing. Um, after they conclude the bond purchases, then they should the recovery be continuing as projected, then I think they'll likely, it's time they'll start raising the overnight federal funds interest rate target on, on interbank loans. And that's currently the interest rate target interest rate that's zero to 25 basis points or zero to a quarter of a percent. You know, raising that target interest rate also would be expected to take several more quarters until the, you know, overnight interest rate, you know, reaches around two and a half percent probably after 2023 as, as of the July meeting. So what might the Fed policymakers decide to do at this meeting that ends on Wednesday? Do you expect major changes? Well, Paul, before the week, most economists were not expecting major changes at the Fed meeting this week for a couple of reasons. The summer COVID Delta variant surge may be slowing the economy's growth rate. And that, of course, was reinforced by the relatively small increase in payroll job numbers for August that suggested some slowing. Uh, That news caused, I think, many forecasters to shift their expectations for the Fed to wait until later in the year to make a policy decision to to take away some of the support for the economy by reducing or tapering the bond purchases. 
And I would agree the Fed likely will uh, want to wait another month or two uh, for another month or two worth of data. You know, Fed uh, policy decisions today are very data dependent, especially on the data on the labor markets and inflation. Um, they'll want to know what's going on before they begin to reduce the um, support for the recovery. And then now with the emerging situation in China, I think it's even more likely that Fed policy remains steady. So, Gary, another question. The stock market apparently, well, not apparently, obviously took a big hit on Monday of this week. What might be driving that decline and how large was it? Well, Paul, it's a tough question knowing what's moving stock markets, but a large Chinese real estate conglomerate with about $300 billion in debt um, is reported to be in danger of not being able to pay interest on their loans. Um, that creates the risk of a Chinese financial crisis with potential loan defaults that you know could spread across the financial markets, the global financial markets. Um, the, these This firm has, you know, dollar denominated debts as well. Uh, so, you know, Monday, that was, I think, a, a huge factor. And uh, at one point, it was, I think, around 900 point drop in the Dow. It, it, it looks like it'll probably close a little lower than that or lower than that. But that adds a lot of risk to the financial system and it affects stocks and bonds and interest rates and risk premiums across the system. Gary, well, one more question. Your old boss at the San Francisco Fed is now Treasury Secretary, and that's Janet Yellen. Uh, she's in the news over the weekend. She warned about another possible catastrophic risk, and that is the failure to raise the national debt ceiling. And I guess that action could lead to a default on U.S. Treasury debt. Pretty serious stuff, wouldn't you say? Pretty serious stuff, Paul. Uh, this is a huge risk, and I completely agree with Janet Yellen on this is an avoidable risk to the financial system and the economy. And I think we're looking at a political decision and failure to raise the debt ceiling could be essentially an act of economic sabotage. It would disrupt financial markets and damage the economy. And it's it's unnecessary. The U.S. Treasury has been able to borrow at very low interest rates because its debt has been considered risk free. And that would change dramatically with a default. You know, U.S. Treasury bonds are normally a safe place to invest, even or or especially in risky times. Um, and so typically an event like the Chinese debt issue that we just talked about would, would lead investors to move money out of risky assets into risk-free U.S. Treasury debt. And failure to raise the debt ceiling, you know, essentially the Treasury is asking for approval to borrow to cover money that Congress has already spent. Um, and as I see, not raising the debt ceiling would lead to a, you know, a default in maturing Treasury debt. And that would cause the Treasury's debt rating to fall, sharply raising the cost of new borrowing for the U.S. Treasury. And that alone could cost hundreds of billions of dollars in hiring, higher borrowing costs in, in the next year or two. Um, the bigger problem, though, is that a U.S. Treasury default would disrupt the global financial markets as bondholders and investors would start dumping risky U.S. Treasury debt uh, both before and you know, in expectations of and after a Treasury default. So I think Treasury Secretary Yellen is absolutely correct. This could cause a catastrophic financial crisis and there's no telling who gets hurt and how much and, and for how long. And I think the important thing is there's no economic reason today for the U.S. to default on its publicly held national debt. Um, it's not out of line with the size of the U.S. economy. So that's a that's a big risk that I see. Gary, thank you so much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. OK, thank you, Paul. 
Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. 